The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my soul. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all and all, here in the love of Christ I stand. Me home here in the park. 
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. The whole world is slouching toward Babylon. Now, Babylon is not just a place. It is a whole way of thinking. It's a mindset. It all started after the great flood with Noah. In chapter 10 of the book of Genesis, we find the account of Nimrod. The scriptures say he grew to be a mighty warrior of the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That's why it is said like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. In other words, one of the characteristics of Babylon will be it is a hunter mindset. It is going to go after what it desires and it's going to kill. It will do whatever is necessary to accomplish its goals or its purpose. The first centers of his kingdom were Babylon and then named other cities, including Nineveh, one of the greatest cities on the face of the earth, second only to Babylon. At the Tower of Babel, as men moved eastward after they found a plain in Shinar or Babylon, they settled there. And they said to each other, Look, come, let's 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 make bricks and let's bake them thoroughly and and let's let's build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens, so that we can make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Many who understand the significance of these statements would say that they were intending to reach a stargate, that they were intending to pierce the heavens and once more establish contact with the demon powers. They chose to walk in disobedience to God, for he had said, don't make a city. Do you remember who built the first city? Cain. He built the first city and he became a city dweller. He became a person who was a businessman. He left the earth, the farm. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building in Genesis, 
the eleventh chapter, verse 5. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them over all of the earth, and they stopped building the city. That's why it was called Babel, or Babylon, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. What I want you to see right at the beginning today of this week's studies is that Babylon was not one city. There were many cities that were built by Nimrod. City squares, layout of design, places of commerce. It was a way of thinking. It was a philosophy. It was one of rebellion against the God of heaven and the determination that we will do this our way and we will reach the heavens. And today the whole world is slouching toward Babylon. That way of thinking has become the predominant worldwide way of thinking of we are going to do whatever we have to do to accomplish our purposes. And it doesn't matter who we hurt in the process. We will reach our goals. Now, please, for just a moment, recognize that democracy, that freedom, that liberty, did not flow out of the Communist Manifesto or out of Marxism or out of Hinduism. It did not flow out of Buddhism. Freedom and liberty only flowed out of the Judeo-Christian understanding of who God is. America was founded on Christian principles. If you look at the Constitution, you look at the Declaration of Independence, you look at the Bill of Rights, these precious documents whom the world today is rising up in rebellion against. Why? Because there are two major centers for the world. One is Babylon. The other is Jerusalem. You have a city of utter wickedness and perversion, and you have Jerusalem, the city of God. And the day will come when the new Jerusalem, according to Revelation, will come down out of the heavens. And the godly people who have utterly given themselves over to the Lord Jesus Christ will dwell in the city of Jerusalem for eternity. So there are two great wars that are going on right now. One is the war with Babylon and the other is the war 
that Jesus Christ is waging from the holy city. Two utterly opposite ways of thinking. The gifts of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. These are not qualities that emerge in any of the major world religions. I challenge you, look at any major world religion. Look at China. Look at India. Look at any nation in America, any nation in the world. And America is the one place where the gospel of Jesus Christ reached its pinnacle in our modern era. Europe today is doing more than slouching toward Babylon. The beast power of Revelation is already emerging, taking shape, and beginning to exercise its power over the people. I've read heartbreaking stories of of what's happening in Europe with people who have not taken the COVID shot or the the vaccine, so-called. It's not a vaccine, but it's called that. They've not taken that pinch, and so they can't go to the grocery stores, they can't go to the restaurant, they can't participate in the culture. They are shut out. And they don't know how they're going to survive. Well, the tyranny of old ancient Babylon is now rearing its head across the world. Now I confess to you, I have lived long enough to watch these things. And for many years in my life, I would have argued with you about this, and I would have said, no, things seem to be getting better. I was deceived. Things were getting better in the sense that new technologies were coming out. Things were getting better in that we had a better standard of living. My living standard is much better than my parents or their parents. But standard of living cannot be the measure of a man's life. Life is not found in what you have or what you own. Life is found in whom you serve. And you will serve either the Babylonian Empire or you will serve Jerusalem the city of God. You will serve the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, when we look in the scriptures, I want to read for you a passage today. It is lengthy. I urge you to listen carefully. I want to share with you a little of what Babylon is about. Babylon is the home for demons in Revelation 18, a haunt for every evil spirit, a haunt for every unclean and detestable bird. 
and all the nations have drunk the maddening wine of her adulteries. The kings of the earth committed adultery with her, and the merchants of the earth grew rich from her excessive luxuries. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. This great city is going to be destroyed in one day. Now, remember, we're not talking about just a physical location. We're talking about a whole way of thinking, a philosophy of life. It's a philosophy that that wants total luxury, gold and silver, pearls, fine linen, lifestyle. But also it wants to own the bodies and souls of men. It wants absolute obedience to its wickedness. I have been utterly disgusted by recent Olympic opening ceremonies as they have become utterly demonic, as they have been given over to every unclean thing. I am utterly disgusted by the television shows and the movies that have flooded the market like a vile plague. They all consist of violence and sexuality, and there has been in our culture a binding together of sexuality and violence in such a wicked, disgusting way. And so you have a Madonna or a Cher or the Kardashians. You have the blending of a, of a wicked sexuality with violence, anger, bitterness. All of that is going to be destroyed in one day. But let me read for you the rising of this power. And I told you, I've watched, I've seen the rise of this power Let's be very clear. Babylon does not just appear one day and everyone bows down and worships it. Everyone will worship the beast power of Revelation. Everyone will worship the devil, the dragon, the serpent. But it will not happen overnight. I've watched in my lifetime as slowly this plague of Babylon has become more and more manifest in our Western culture in America. I've noticed that the first generation of those who receive Jesus Christ are often extremely fervent and given over to the Lord. The second generation, it begins to die out in their hearts. 
and if there's not a new infusion of righteousness, they will be lukewarm. And then the third generation comes, and most third-generation Christians are so attracted to Babylon that they don't even know if they're Christians. Yeah, maybe. No, I really haven't made a decision. Those are usually third-generation people who followed in the steps of Grandma and Grandpa only so much as to live in the luxury of Babylon. But they don't really want Jesus. And by the time you get to the fifth or sixth generation, all righteousness is gone and they are totally subsumed into the culture of Babylon. If there is not a great awakening, and this is why throughout history there have been great awakenings of the Lord that have come, that have turned the hearts of third and fourth and fifth generation Christian that are no longer Christian, that have turned them back in in brokenness and repentance. And today the church in America is dead. It's apostate. It's not alive. It's not filled with the Spirit of God. It's not earnest and desiring to study the Word and to seek the face of Jesus. Let me read this for you. Revelation, the 13th chapter. chapter. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea. We know that the dragon is referred to here as a dragon, but it's the devil or the serpent. And the shore of the sea, the sea is the peoples of the earth. It says that later in the book of Revelation. And I saw a beast, that is a political power, coming out of the sea or coming out of the people. And he had ten horns and seven heads, ten crowns on his on his horns, and on each he had a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. We're watching that happen right now as those powers are emerging in Europe. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed, and the whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he'd given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise his authority for 42 months. That is three and a half years. That is three and a half years, the last three and a half years of the great tribulation that's coming upon the earth. By that last three and a half years, the beast power will finally have taken his full position in public view and will rule the entire earth. He is still somewhat hidden, 
for those who do not have eyes to see. But this philosophy of wickedness, of self-pleasure, of of being a hunter and taking down anyone who disagrees with us, we see this already horribly manifest in the Biden administration in America. He has done more, along with President Obama, with President Bush, and the first President Bush, we've seen more destruction to the freedoms of America than any other time in the history of America. It is the beast power arising. And we're told in the book of Revelation that we will finally come to a time when this wicked power totally dominates not just America, but the entire world. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. That is, he's going to have the power to say you cannot buy or sell. He's going to have the power to forbid you from going to restaurants. He's going to have the power to forbid you from any normal American life. We already see that happening in Europe with this COVID-19. It is absolutely incredible that the beast power is arising on a so-called pandemic. It is part of the great deception of the beast We also saw the emergence of the beast under President Bush in America when lies were spoken about Iraq and lies were spoken about the false flag event of 9-11 and the coming forth of the Patriot Act that began to strip away American freedoms. This was all a part of the beast power arising taking authority, and taking the leaders. And I have to tell you, I'm brokenhearted that I voted for President Bush. I held my nose while I did, but I voted for him. I've had to repent for that, recognizing that he was a key part of the beast power and continues now, even now, President Bush continues his wicked work of destroying America, as does President Obama, as does the current administration. Now, please, I'm speaking truth to you today. There are two great centers of power who rule the world. The first is Babylon. The second looks like it has been defeated But Jesus Christ is going to intervene, and that is the new Jerusalem. The saints of God are going to be given their place of rulership over the earth. Let me continue reading. Verse 7. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. 
and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. (coughs) This is Babylon we're speaking about, the Babylon spirit, or the beast power. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the book of life belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. Note FEMA camps. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. The saints are the ones who have their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And there is coming a total separation between Babylon and the saints of God who refuse to go along with the wicked agenda of the Bush administration and now the Biden administration. calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. In other words, he's going to come as a lamb-like beast. I'm not going to say who I think it is, but just ask yourself the question, what great world power has come upon the scene of world history? as a lamb. It would not take you but a moment to figure that out. But that lamb-like beast is going to begin to speak like a dragon. Verse 12, he exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf. In other words, this beast power is going to cooperate with the European powers. made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. He performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Pardon me. Because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. There is going to be a strong spirit of deception exercised by the beast power to captivate the peoples of the world. In other words, he's going to lie. And the lies will be very convincing. And because the heart cry is for prosperity because the heart cry of the unsaved is for power and for lifestyle, they're going to buy into the deception. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give birth or breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak 
and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive the mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is a man's number. His number is 666. Now, there are several things that leap out to me. There is going to be a strong spirit of deception. And there's going to be miraculous signs and wonders. There's going to be an order that says you cannot buy or sell if you don't obey the commands of the beast. In other words, the beast destroys freedom and steals liberty. We see that happening in America even now. People are losing their jobs, their ability to earn a living. They're losing their livelihood. How do they survive? They are refusing to receive what the White House is calling the mark. The mark. Now, I don't believe it's the mark of the beast yet. I believe it's a preliminary conditioning to receive the final mark of the beast. And it's very clear if you read in Revelation 14, if anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on the forehead or in the hand, he too will drink the wine of God's fury, which is poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. He will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb and the smoke of their torment rises forever and ever. There is no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and his image or for anyone who receives the mark of his name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. Now, that's the second time I've read that for you. In verse 13, it says, This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. And then over here in Revelation 14, this calls for patient endurance on the part of the saints who obey God's commandments and remain faithful to Jesus. It's very plain. There are two great powers. And these powers, each will be at war with the other, but it will appear that the Christian faith is being destroyed. It will appear that the Christians will all be killed or exiled or cast out of the modern culture. And it's in that spirit 
that the Lord spoke in Revelation 18 and said, Come out of her, my people, so that you will not share in her sins, so that you will not receive any of her plagues, for her sins are piled up to heaven, and God has remembered her crimes. What crimes? The crimes of murdering babies. The crimes of buying and selling men's souls. The crimes of genocide. The crimes of bitterness and anger and revenge. The crimes of the wicked. The Lord has said he's going to pass judgment upon these. Now, it would appear in the physical that the church is dying. The church is called to come out of Babylon, out of the world philosophy, out of the way of thinking. And when we come to the book of Matthew, we're warned that the love of most Christians will grow cold. And we're warned to stand firm to the end in order to be saved. We're watching as this beast power emerges. And if you have not yet identified the beast power and you're still playing footsies with the world, you need to be forewarned. But now I want to turn specifically to the church. Jesus said that at the time of the end, when everything is looking like the church is going to be destroyed, there are going to be two classes of Christians. We're watching that divide happen even now. The first divide is between Babylon and Jerusalem as world philosophies. Babylon is Lucifer Demonic, hunter, killing, murder, rape, pillaging, buying and selling the souls of men, luxuries beyond anything the world could imagine. That's been America's life. The second power is Jerusalem, or Jesus Christ, and the gospel of Jesus, the Christian faith. Now, within the Christian faith, there is again, at the end of time, going to be a great division. There is, in Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, described the broad way and the narrow way. Most Christian churches in America are located on the broad way, with their marketing specialties, with their pulls, with their entertainment, with They have chosen the Broadway. Now we find these people who are Christian are divided into two groups. I'll read it for you. At the time the kingdom of heaven will be like, that is, at the end of time, ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. 
Five of them were foolish and five were wise, or five made no preparation. They were careless. They did not prepare spiritually for what was going to happen in the world. They did not spend time reading the scriptures. They spent their time watching television. They did not spend their time searching after Jesus Christ. They spent their time searching after success as Christians. Five were wise. The wise do what is necessary to be crucified with Christ, to be born from above, to be absolutely set free of all sin, to be made righteous. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. In other words, they had a show of having light. They had a public appearance of being Christian. But in fact, they were shallow. They had no depth. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In other words, when you look at the Christian church, you're going to have a hard time differentiating between those who are following Jesus in depth and and seriousness and those who are just casual. And every church is filled with some who earnestly follow after Jesus and many who are very casual about their faith and desire the entertainment. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here comes the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Now, we're warned here by Jesus that it's going to seem like Jesus is delaying his coming. It's going to seem like, look, I might as well join and have a life. And the temptation will be to do whatever is necessary so that I can go on that cruise, or I can go to that restaurant, or I can do whatever it is I need to do to survive and take care of my family. Give us, they said, some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. In other words, as difficulties increase and times become very difficult and we're about to begin entering into a very dark winter of great shortages of food and provision, heating oil, gas, Times are going to become very difficult, and it's intentional by our political leaders because they want to force everyone into their mold in preparation for receiving the mark of the beast. So they ask those who have spent their time searching after Jesus, who have spent their time in the prayer closet, Oil is representing the Holy Spirit throughout all of Scripture. I want to tell you, please hear me. Oil is only found in the prayer closet. Where you read the Scriptures, you meditate upon the Word of God, 
and then you enter into very deep searching of your heart, deep searching after Jesus, not his hand, but his face, to know Jesus, to be intimate with him, to walk with him. The only place you can get that oil is to spend the time in the prayer closet. And that's why I say to you, turn your TVs off. Don't spend time watching the YouTube videos. Turn aside from the entertainment. Don't spend all your time trying to earn money. Some of you are consumed with money. You think money will buy you the lifestyle you deserve to have. You're being deceived. Jesus is the one. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you. What things? The things that pagans run after. If you want life provision given to you, search after Jesus Christ and his righteousness, that you could become righteous before a holy God. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. What do you mean buy? You're going to have to spend time to get that oil of the Holy Spirit into your heart. It does not come easily. It does not come quickly. It does not come easily. It does not come quickly. And you cannot give it to somebody else who has wasted all of their time seeking after the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil. You cannot give that gift to them. They must go and they must buy it. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Why does he not know them? Because they've spent no time with him. They have been a part of religion. I don't like religion. Now, there are two kinds of religion. There is the true religion of Jesus Christ. That I love. But there is the religion of the modern American church, and that I abhor. I hate. The religion that's going to give you a set of rules that you're supposed to follow and then say, okay, you're good to go. Who's going to give you workshops and seminars on how to be successful, how to be prosperous. A church that's going to give you principles to live by, but they're not going to give you Jesus. They're not going to speak the truth to you. And now I'm speaking about the majority of churches in America. We need a whole new generation of preachers who will preach a straight, honest word of the living God 
who will confront the darkness, who will confront the wickedness, and who will call you to come, to come to Jesus Christ and surrender your life, give up your life, and be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. The door was shut. Now I want you to notice Jesus had a perfect opportunity in this parable to talk about the secret rapture and a second chance. A second chance is not found in Scripture. You are either a part of Babylon or you are part of Jesus. Unfortunately, much of the Christian church has voted to be a part of Babylon but they have walked with those who are sincere Christians who have claimed that they are virgins before God. In other words, they have not made peace with the world. They are men and women who walk as Christ followers. He says, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. You don't know the day or the hour Jesus is coming. That means we have to be utterly and totally separated from the Babylonian spirit, the evil, unclean haunt of demons. And it means the church is going to have two groups of people in it. The church is going to have those who really don't know Jesus. Who don't walk in the ways of Jesus. Who are worldly, carnal Christians. Who believe that they're saved in the midst of their sin. That they don't have to overcome. But the word of God is that you must overcome. The seven letters to the seven churches at the first part of the book of Revelation, every church is told the same thing. You must overcome. Well, what must you overcome? The Babylonian spirit, sin, the spirit of uncleanness, the darkness. The greatest threat facing America today is the utter total collapse of moral values as America slouches toward Babylon. And it looks like Babylon is going to win and take over America. I'm praying that the Lord will rise up in mighty power and that we will have another great awakening. But I recognize the war that that great awakening would evoke as it divides the people of God from the people of Babylon. Well, we're out of time for today. Please, may I pray for you? Lord, I have laid out as unemotionally as I can this great struggle that's going on between Babylon and Jerusalem. I pray, Lord, that you will give us a mind to see and a heart to understand that we would not be swept away in deception 
that the veil would be removed from our eyes, that we could see clearly, Lord, what it is you want from us and how we are to walk with you. Lord, come quickly and rescue your people and give us the strength to endure. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I hope this has been helpful to you today. I'd love to hear from you. The month is quickly going past, and I'm just praying that the Lord will move in the hearts of many people to keep this broadcast on the air. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. Nationalprayerchapel.com. I love you all. I'm very grateful for you. I'm grateful for the saints of God who choose to walk clean, washed, and pure. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon. His glory with great joy, with great joy. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Cry.